Welcome to the Marion Message presented by the Mosaic of Marion podcast. Each week we'll hear God's Word explored by Dr. Henry M. Meadows Jr. as he preaches from the pulpit of Marion Baptist Church in Chatham, Virginia. We pray that this message will be a blessing and further your walk with God. Let's join him now. Have your Bibles, would you turn to Ephesians chapter 2. Everything is going to be based around that very thought and this, this is where this vision came from. I know there'll be some that are already thinking some thoughts about what we just said. And I want to address them up front and head on. So I've written, I usually don't write out my introduction, but I wrote out a lot of what I want to say in my introduction for today. I would suspect many of you are thinking, why are we so worried about church attendance? I mean, I know I harp on that all the time, that you ought to be at church. Uh, Miss Pat was the last one I saw that, that said it out there on Facebook. I've seen others. Watching church on TV is sort of like watching a fire on TV. You can see it. You know what it is, but you miss the heat. Y'all all right? And by the way, I don't know who was singing behind me right here. One of y'all need to get in the choir. I have a feeling it was her. It was either, I'm down to Mandy or Miss Laurie. I couldn't tell. It sounded like both of their voices. Why, why are you so worried about church attendance? And why are you so worried about growing as a church? Volunteering in some area of Marian Baptist Church about winning souls. Reading the Bible, going on mission trips, expanding and finishing this church building. Why aren't we satisfied? I have literally been asked this question, not by, praise the Lord, not by a member of Marion, but someone that knows us and asked me this. Why aren't you just satisfied with what you have? Some of you may be sitting here thinking, You're totally against everything we just presented. To both of those groups, here's what I say. We do this for the kingdom. We don't do it for Hank. We don't do it for the leadership team. We don't do it so we can go out here and say we've got a big church. We do it for one reason, and this is my heart, for a kingdom agenda. And for the souls of those who are in our midst and not here today that are not blood-bought and repentant. We have so and we have allowed in the church society to dictate what a church should look like. We've even cre- we've let them create a, a culture of terminology that defines what against what the Bible says. Because if I were to sit here and ask a majority of people, if I were to ask those out there, so you got your finger there at Ephesians. I want you to flip back to Romans. Don't worry, this is just the introduction. Flip to Romans 3. Because if I were to ask some of you and ask a majority of people out there what do you think about yourself? 
Many would say with this, I think I'm a pretty good person. Here's what we'd say. I ain't killed nobody. I ain't cheated on my spouse. Didn't cheat on my taxes. You know, I raised my kids best I knew how. I think I'm a pretty good person. Let me tell you what the Bible says about that. Romans chapter 3, verse 10. As it is written, none is righteous. Some translations say none are good. No, not one. Now, we've come to that standard because we think of what I just said. We, we, we want to set the standard ourselves that make us feel better about ourselves. We'll say things like, I'm a pretty good person. I haven't killed anybody. Well, Scripture says that if you hate somebody, you've killed them. You've committed murder. Well, preacher, I've never stolen anything. Not even a paperclip. Not even a pen from your friend. Not even a sheet of paper. How about this one? Preacher, I've never cheated on my spouse. Well, the Bible says if you have lust in your heart, you've committed adultery. So in about, I don't know, 45 seconds there, I've proven that all of us more than likely are murdering, stealing adulterers. Now, you want to tell me again that you're a good person? Not only have we let society describe whether we are good or not, we've let them change the very definition of sin. We say things like this, well, they they have the disease of alcoholism. They, They have an addiction to pornography or drugs. No, they are sinners. Alcoholism is a sin. Hello? Pornography is a sin. It's not a disease. It's not an addiction. It's flat sin. And we've let society mold us and make us so we think that if we're not involved of some, some of those things, that we're good. But you're not. See, the standard that we set is always going to be a standard where we meet their criteria. Are you all right? That's a good way to put that. <coughs> Yet the Bible says, for all have sinned. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You're not going to get there, and we're going to look at this if we get there today, (coughs) by your good works. You, You cannot work your way to heaven. You could not do enough to ever get there. I'm so afraid that the church no longer believes in a place called hell. I don't believe we believe in the wrath of God. 
I think we've all, and I may say this a little later, I'm probably jumping ahead. I believe we've all become universalists. When it's all said and done, preacher Hank, when it's all over with, let's just be honest, because I'm a good person, we all just end up in heaven. Because preacher, no matter what you say, I'm going back to this truth, I've never killed anybody, I've never stolen, I've never cheated, I've never done this. So preacher, I'm a good person. I'm telling you, the Bible says, for all have sinned. And the Bible says the wages of sin is death. Now, and that's not talking about physical death. That's talking about spiritual death. So either you know what you're talking about and God's a liar, or God knows what he's talking about and you're missing the mark. The Bible clearly states that there is a place of eternal judgment and wrath called hell. And anyone that does not repent of their sins and come to a place of asking forgiveness will end up in this lake of fire. Luke 13.3 says it clearly. But unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27 puts it this way. And just as it is appointed for man to die once and after that, the judgment. Every single person that lives will face judgment, whether it is the Bema Seat judgment for believers or the great white throne judgment for those that have never come to a place they accept Jesus. <coughs> so many of us simply either do not care where anyone else lives eternally, which is unloving and uncompassionate, or you're a skeptic and you don't believe in an eternal place called hell. Proverbs 29, 18 says, where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. This is stating that we will do our own thing where there is no vision and we won't have anything that guides us. I fully believe that the vision we've cast for you today that you have written in black and white before you is guided by nothing less than the word of God. And it is solely based on the vision of Jesus Christ, not only for this church. I believe you could take this and you could take community and you could take it to any church throughout this country and the world and it could fit for them because it is that scripturally, biblically based. So why this vision? Why, preacher, are you so passionate about this? Why have you been looking? And I promise you this morning, as I've been here, I have prayed and I've prayed and I've prayed and I've prayed. And I prayed that every single person that was a member of Marion would be here today. I was praying that this, I had Mona make like 500. I said, I believe folk going to come out of the woodwork. Preacher, does it bother you that it, they didn't? No. But I pray they do. I'm not going to quit telling you to come to Jesus. I'm not going to quit telling you to come to church. I'm not going to quit doing any of that. You know why? I said this. If you want to hear my testimony or the testimony of Mona and Dan, you can go back and listen to Mosaic of Marion. And I say this clearly at the very end of this, of mine, which was this past one. I want everybody to get what I got. 
I've told you before, I want to, this is, this is, if you want to know, my spiritual gift is that of an evangelist. But here's what drives me in a lot of ways. My first day in the ministry, my first day, and Lisa's sitting on the front row, she can stand up and call me a liar in front of everybody if this is not true. My first day of ministry as a youth pastor, I had a kid hang himself. Go deal with that first day on the job. Now you may say, well, preacher, why does that drive you? Here's why that drives me. I don't know whether that kid's in heaven or hell. I sat beside that kid so often in youth group. We talked about baseball, and we talked about football, we talked about skateboarding because he was a skateboarder. We talked about everything, but I never opened my mouth to ask him if he knew Jesus. I mean, he was 14. He wasn't going to die, was he? He was 14. He had his whole life in front of him. How would I supposed to know that on a Friday night or Friday afternoon, his uncle would hang him in his closet and shut the door? Teenagers, you ought to listen to this. You're not guaranteed tomorrow. And so every time I go to share the gospel, every time that I walk off, when I know the Spirit's told me and I don't do it, I see that boy's face in my mind. What would happen today? Hear me, dear church, hear this. If you stepped off into eternity today, I'm asking you straight up, where would you go? Well, preacher, I've been to church my whole life. What does that matter? I know some of you are going to preach, you're talking both sides of your mouth. You said it's important for everybody to come to church. It is important to come to church. Man, this is your body. This is your family. This is the body of believers that Jesus to empower. You know what Sunday services should just be? Man, this is what I really believe they should be. They should be nothing more than a pep rally to go attack the world that's lost. Sunday sermon and the, the singing and the worship ought to get you ready to go. And it ought to get you to walk closer to Jesus. See, your church attendance isn't going to get you to heaven, though. Well, preacher, I'm doing like it. Man, I'm reading through this New Testament in a month. Isn't that good enough? No. You can read the whole Bible in a month, and it's not going to get you to heaven. Jesus said, I'm the way. We try to break it down and make it what we want it to be because we think we're so smart and we've figured this thing out. Friend, you have figured nothing out. The enemy has poisoned you to the truth. The Bible says in Corinthians, he has blinded you to the truth. So I'm asking you as I begin this, and I'm going to go through something real quick, familiar passage. I want to ask you this, and I I just wanted to settle in you for just a little bit. Dear ones, if you were to draw your last breath and step off into eternity right now, where would you go? There's but two possibilities, heaven or hell. Preacher, 
What about this thing? And I've been asked this. What about this thing called um, um, purgatory? Not biblical. Paul writing to the church said this in 2 Corinthians 5. He said, to be absent from the body is to be present with Christ. So in other words, your eternity is secured when you draw your last breath. Would you stand at the reading of God's Word? That was all introduction. If you're visiting, if you hear some of the members laughing, they think we'll be here to 1230. I promise you we won't. That's what the Bible says. Ephesians chapter 2. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. Following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath. That's your nature, by the way. Like the rest of mankind. I don't know if you write in your Bibles, but man, you ought to. You ought to highlight this, but God. But God. And there's some blessed buts in the Bible. You find, so it's like the Holy Spirit when he's writing, he would just give you so much of the negativity and the bad and the, and the horrific of who you were. And then he just wanted to characterize it and shine a light right there and say, but God. There's no other way. Being, I love this, rich in mercy. Mm. And which the great love, Bruce, there you go, which he loved us. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, listen, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. I don't know. I don't know how we can read that. But here's one thing in my sanctified imagination that we are all trophies of grace. And somewhere out there at some point Jesus is going to look at you in his own special way and just say something maybe like this. I have no clue other than this. He goes, you see old Hank Meadows? <laughs> that dude was a hellion. But he came to know me. And look at him now. I cleaned him up. I washed away his sins by my blood. I did it all. And look at him now. He's in heaven with me. I don't know if that'll happen. I hope it does. We are, it says we'll be shown the immeasurable riches of his grace. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this not your own doing, it is the gift of God. Not as a result of work so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I'm not going to deal with this, but that word workmanship is poema, means your life is a poem. I laugh and tell people, I think when he talks about my life, I've got to be something like a haiku or something like that that makes no sense. <laughs> Let me pray with you. Father... God, help us. God, without you, we are dead and disobedient, doomed, disillusioned, deluded, and we are spiritually bankrupt. But God, thank you that you are rich in mercy and that you have great love 
that you sent your son to die so that we could have eternal life with you. God, move in this moment. I pray, God, you would draw the net and you would draw it deep and wide. In the name of Jesus, amen. You may be seated. My time is running away quickly, so I just want to hit it real quick. Why this vision? That's what I've entitled this sermon. Why this vision? And here it is. Here's why this vision. And it's really there in verses one and two, which is really what I really wanted to get through today. And I want to hit on the other. Number one, we are dead. The Bible says we are dead in trespasses and sins that we once walked. That word dead means you're a corpse. It means there's nothing spiritually alive about you. There's nothing that's going to draw. People say, well, I'm searching for Jesus. You will never search for Jesus on your own. The Bible says in John chapter 3, if I be lifted up, Jesus said, I will draw all men to myself. It's a wooing and a drawing of the Holy Spirit to Jesus and the truth of that, that you would never do it because you are dead. The word trespass means a falling aside when one should have been stood upright. It points to Romans chapter 5, and we don't have time to turn there today, but Romans chapter 5, 15 through 18, points to Adam and his disobedience. When Adam should have stood tall, even when his wife sat there and said, here's the fruit, Adam should have stood tall and said, no, God has commanded me not to do that. Not only in our trespasses, but also in our sins. That means to miss the mark, to wander from the right path, to go to go do wrong and not do right. We've all been there. Let's just be honest. Can I give you some great truth? If you have to question whether you should do it or not, don't do it. We're not only dead, we're also disobedient. Notice it says there, which following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air. We're disobedient because who we follow. If you're here today and you've never repented, you're a sinner. And you're following not Jesus. You're following the course of this world, its leader, the prince of the power of the air. You're, you're being guided by the one who is called in Scripture the father of lies. He'll lie about stuff and tell you it's okay to abort that baby. He'll lie to you and tell you it's okay to drink that alcohol. He'll lie to you and tell you that whatever you're doing, you have a right to be happy. No, dear ones, we have no right to be happy. We have a right to be holy as he is holy. He'll tell you things how they ought to be. Well, as long as his love is involved. No, it's love like Jesus for his bride, the church. So many people want to live alternative lifestyles and do this, and then they'll say this, well, the Bible says God is love. Don't take God out of context. He set the stage for how marriage should be between a man, and he set it from the very beginning. Do you know that before God created the church, he created the family I do want you to flip, flip to 1 John. Go to 1 John really quickly, chapter 2. I'm only doing this because it's my favorite book of the Bible. 1 John chapter 2. Y'all, I'm still trying to break in this new Bible. I can't find nothing. I can't get the pages to flip. Look at verse 15. 
Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, this ought to scare you. The love of the Father is not in him. I wrote down, I said, when we don't, we live for the world, we gravitate to degenerate things in our unsaved state. We burn for the things of the world. Look how Paul describes this, uh, passions of our flesh. He, right after he talked about the passions of our flesh. Here's a question. What are you passionate about? Can I tell you what the Bible says? In Colossians chapter 1, verse 18, it says that Jesus is to be preeminent. Here's what it says. You ought to be passionate about your walk with Jesus. Not only that, we're doomed. We are bent naturally towards sin and degradation. We are sinners by birth and choice and practice. We cast our lot with the things of this world, and as a result, we're doomed to hell. That's why we have this vision, because there are so many people out there that are hurting, that need to know the love of Jesus Christ, that need to know that there was somebody that loved them while they were still yet sinners. Romans chapter 5, verse 8 says that while we were still yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. We need to carry the message outside of these. We want to sit in here and we sing our songs and we do all that, but what happens when we walk out of those doors? Do we carry the message of Jesus with us or do we hide it afraid? Somebody, it is time for the church to stand up. Hello? I mean, my golly, they'll stand up everywhere else, won't they? They'll scream and shout for their rights and scream and shout you down that you're an idiot. Why not the church stand up? We don't have to shout because we got truth. And we just stand on the truth. Because here's the truth that we have. But God, who is rich in mercy. You know what that word rich right there literally translated means? I love this. Never runs out. Did you catch that? His mercy never runs out. That means it's available to everybody. And not not only that, but he has this great love. And that word great means mega. And that love means agape love. It means love that's unconditional. Too many people want to put conditions on love, like I'll love you if you do this. That's not biblical love. I'm going to love you unconditionally. (coughs) Hello? It's the reason so many marriages fall apart. It's all conditional. If you're good to me, then I'll be good to you. If you're not good to me, then I'm leaving you. We see a powerful display of God's love, and I don't have time to really go through everything. But I, I wrote this down. Listen, check this out, and then I'm, I'm just going to stop. <laughs> Read verse 4 with me. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us. Here, here's a, I believe this is the key to this entire paragraph, which I'm talking about a thought. Even. It hit me this week. I was sitting in my study. I was all alone. I was sitting there, and I, I was reading it again for about the 30th time, and I was reading it, and I said, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love which he loved us, even when... Even when 
we were dead in our trespasses. Here's what some of you are thinking today. Preacher, when I, when I get my life right, I'm going to come. Preacher, when, when I clean up some things in my life, then I'm coming. Preacher, when I, when I figure it all out and how I'm supposed to work this sucker out, man, when I figure it out, I'm coming. You'll never come because you don't do any of that. I really had a toss-up, Miss Pat, about what I wanted to do. I love your songs, by the way, but I did. When I, I got into it Friday afternoon, I was like, do I want to sing Just As I Am or do I want to sing this song? You guys, come on. Come on, praise team. Come on. It was really... And as, I just want y'all to play quietly at first, okay, while I set the stage. And I'm not going to end without telling you how you're, how you're to get saved. See, when you come as you are, I love that hymn, just, just as I am without one plea, I come. That's what, that's what it takes is for you just to come to Jesus. He, he doesn't need you to clean yourself up. He just needs you to come and repent, to change. See, and that change will come. If you spend time in his presence, that change will come. You were this way, sinners, doomed, but you can be heaven-bound if you'll come. You don't clean yourself up. You don't figure it all out in humble obedience you just come. Thanks for listening to the Marian message presented by the Mosaic of Marian podcast. If you would like to know more, you can reach us on our Facebook page or on our website, www.marianbcva.com.